The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org. 18 plus. The final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome on to a final Furlong podcast jumps special. Yeah, I should say that we're now pretty much in full swing for the jumps, but there is the small matter of the John Dance sponsored Group One, which name I've forgotten. Kevin, can you remember its actual name? Futurity something? No. Let's just say the John Dance Group One. There's that. There's the Group One for juveniles in France over 10 furlongs. And there's the Breeders' Cup. So we're not entirely done with the flat just yet. And there's the November Handicap as well. But we're very much in the swing of things from the jumps preview. And uh, we are going to chat to one of the top riders around, Mr. Danny Mullins. Welcome to make your final furlong podcast debut. It's long overdue. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll give you a few insights, uh, a couple of them through the winter. You better, Danny, because if you don't, the might of Twitter <laughs> will be unleashed upon you. <laughs> I don't I don't think I need to be on uh, the final furlong for the might of Twitter to be unleashed <laughs> upon you. That's, that's a given when you're a jockey. You just block, block, block. Oh, do you block? Oh, you, oh, you're you're a blocker. Yeah, oh, block, block. Because maybe we, maybe one once during the winter you, you'd uh, maybe think of a smart answer and really get get a few digs back, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and to sit down and think about that. The last time was actually I was given out. Uh, I was given a lot of stick for getting beaten on a horse and. I actually told your man I, I gave it a great ride in the race and it turns out the horse he was giving out about David Road and I finished fourth or fifth on mine it was 21 <laughs> shot and David got beaten up so when you're, you're dealing with them kind of lugs you, you kind of have to take it with a pinch of salt <laughs> anyway it's great to have David Mullins on the final front podcast uh, it's been a <laughs> Um, we've we've spoken to Brian Cooper about this, and and Cooper had just fired back abuse as well. As well. Um, other uh, jockeys, uh, I think it was who was saying it there recently, Kevin, that they they just mute as well. They just go mute and not give them the satisfaction. But Danny's Danny's given them the set. You know, someone's made their background on Twitter blocked by Danny Mullins. It's like that's now a badge <laughs> of honor for them, or they're wearing a T-shirt like that as well. Um, I'm I'm Mr. Kennedy, joined by at the races pundit Mr. Kevin Blake, who has blocked at least 970 people on Twitter. <laughs> Hello, uh, very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have blocked more of late. I used to be a habitual muter, but uh, I, I, I'm more willing to block nowadays. <laughs> Are they Australian by any chance? A couple of Aussies. <laughs> I just uh, I operate a kind of a two strike system. If you if you're unreasonably ignorant twice, I'll block you. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. I think that that works. Um, Kevin's phraseology is an awful lot better than mine, uh, which would be if you're. Um, apparently, I'm being told I'm not allowed to say that. I managed to drop a few F-bombs last week, but I'm not allowed to use the particular description I was going to use. So, uh, yeah, then you get um, muted slash blocked. Uh, shall we get on? Um, sure, why not? And uh, yeah. then talk about some of these horses. So we were, we were joking off air about the fact that um, if 
Ruby was to have an incident in training that Danny would be able to put his hand up and go, oh, that's okay. It's all right that, that Ruby has, um, you know, dislocated his shoulder because he banged it off the door frame. I'm um, available and I can ride this weekend. But of course, we were having jumps races called off left, right and center because we're in the middle of a drought. Yeah, if we, if we could get a little bit more rain, at least uh, the good horses could come out and uh, maybe some of the opportunities might pop up here and there. How frustrating. And, and Danny, you, you'd have an insight as well, Danny. And it's not just the fact that, uh, you know, the ground is quick in the race courses, but I'd imagine a lot of trainers in both countries are, are just struggling to get schooling into the horses on grass. Yeah, definitely. Like we we normally have a schooling day on Tipperary Racecourse after their last meeting. It's been cancelled uh, two or three times now, and just trainers are I suppose are nearly backing up with their horses at this stage. So it's it's very frustrating because once the rain comes, you have to be ready. But then if you're ready too soon, you're going to be gone over the top. So I suppose it's it's a time where you watch what the good trainers are doing, follow follow suit. Just as we want the uh, jumps action to kick in, the rain won't come. Little did I think I'd be asking for rain, but um, seeing as it is now jumps territory, come on, rain, do your thing. Um, in terms of Willie's yard, we have to, to look at the strength and depth there. Champion trainer again last season. Uh, even more so last year, it looked as though there was no chance that he would be able to reel in Gordon Elliott, and yet he did. And again, it, it came down to Punchestown. But he does still have um, a tremendous amount of firepower. And as I go through the point-to-pointer list, or the ex-point-to-pointer list, and look at the amount of expensive acquisitions that have been made into the yard, there's a lot of young talent there to look forward to as well. And even Footpad is a hugely exciting talent going forward as well. So he doesn't look like he's going to be knocked off his perch anytime soon, Danny. Definitely not. But, like, you know, you've seen in the last few years uh, with these good horses coming back, injuries can can often knock a, a trainer season apart. You know, there a few years ago you had the likes of Vatour, Annie Power, and all of those horses falling by the wayside. So it it is a case of, of trying to wind them up slowly. And fingers crossed there's no ill effects from the end of last year. You know, there were very busy horses all through last spring, uh, any of the ones competing at the top level. And, you know, you mentioned Footpad there. You know, he was an amazing novice chaser last year. And mm. You'd hope he's going to go to the top this year. I'd love to see him uh, maybe going the Gold Cup route. But, uh, oh! so Will- <laughs> I'm sure Willie will have some other plan, but uh, that's where I think he could be a horse of that class. So I'd love to see that happen. Oh, you're nuts. <laughs> have you not learned from York Hill York Hill was a completely different horse uh, you funny he enough, settles he jumps he's, he's got a but he's also he's also so he's also so fast over his jumps he's so fast over two miles like it just looks ideally suited to him right now that go down the champion chase route bag one beat it out or finish a good second to do van in it <laughs> oh, oh Duvan's back <laughs> that means business uh, last year you know I, I'd done a few of the Cheltenham previews and people were laughing at me when I was saying that Duvan looked amazing his work was solid 
you know, he, he was fantastic. And, you know, Cheltenham just didn't happen for him. He was jumping fantastic all the way down the back and then just jumped straight into the middle of the fence with Paddy at the top of the hill. I would have loved to seen that race unfold over the last three or four fences to yeah. see what would have happened with Altior. Would have been a cracker. And, you know, I, I think uh, he was possibly flattened by the time he got to Punchestown on the soul, you know, take nothing away from the winner that day. But I think uh, I've seen Duve, and he's only doing steady canter, but uh, I watched Holly Conti riding him out the other morning in Willie's. And he just looks to be glowing. He's very strong. And I, I'd be hopeful he will show what he's always promised. And he's, he'll still only be nine by the time the champion chase comes along. So yeah, like plenty of time for him to def- go and do it. Definite potential there to still show what uh, he's always promised and finally deliver a, maybe a champion chase for Willie. There's no... And, and, and Danny, I, like it, it's probably fair to say now we talked about this when we were talking about last week he's almost a bit of a forgotten horse at this stage which is a mad probably. thing considering how much of a how much of a star he was there for a couple of years like he's a, he's a 16 to 1 shot for the champion chase like the market has been very dismissive of him yeah you'd like you know anti-post betting it's uh it's not something probably you should get involved in but when you have a horse of that class at that price that's when you have a go you don't back a novice at six to four in november for a supreme novice or something like that and would there be any entertainment in your mind now danny of him going up on trip or would you very much be sticking him at two miles because there was some he was he was declared for the Ryanair wasn't he there was there was talk of a King George at one stage would, would that thought be in your mind at all or would you be happy to keep him at two I, my thoughts would be two miles but I suppose Willie and Rachel probably sit down and analyse where where they've got the horses to go and where they've got the, the best chance of winning you know the Willie is not really one to have a go at a race because it might happen. He'll he'll sit down maybe before Cheltenham and see you know which horses are still sound and going well and put them in and whichever race they have the best chance of winning. And that probably frustrates people for the the anti post markets. But you know he he's going to go wherever you know look at the other horses and you'll figure out where he fits into the puzzle. You mentioned Vitour earlier on. I remember being over in England and um, getting a text from a friend of mine saying Vitour goes for the Ryanair. And I went, <laughs> hilarious joke. <laughs> <laughs> and then switched on the morning line. And um, it was Rich it Ritchie saying, yeah, he goes, for the, he goes for the Ryanair. And everybody in the morning line was laughing away. I said, no, 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 really, he, he does. I was like, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolute pandemic. But they were right because for whatever reason, he wasn't working well at the time. And um, Jack Adam, in all his glory, was there. Unfortunately, now retired. He definitely would have won the Gold Cup this season if that hadn't happened. <laughs> Finally, he'd have done it. Um, and, uh, and you know, he was a little bit perplexing for, for Willie and Ruby, but he showed his true colours in the day and and bolted up in what was a, a good Ryanair. And that's, I think, one of the strengths of Willie Mullins is that he's he keeps things very fluid so that he can react late on and not have things set in stone and then have to go back on his word afterwards. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, he he's a he's a master at it, and I suppose you see it year in year out, and the same people probably get more and more frustrated uh, <laughs> trying to figure out which way he's going to go where. But he has so many good horses that he's able to get a handle on each race and where each good horse is going to fit in. And you know, if you're you're an owner with a horse and Willie's, you just sit back and see where Willie wants to go with you because you know come down to the day you might uh, change his mind maybe five times in the last two minutes but the final answer is going to be the best one and I tell you what yeah. he's no he's no John Gaston huh Gaston has some <laughs> record for keeping his big boys away from each other and his big girls away from each other too nothing wrong with a big girl that's fine too and I'll tell you <laughs> Gaston it's school Mullins he'd school him in politics so he would uh, huh yeah. it's <laughs> It's a funny one though, because that, that's like like Danny says. Uh, Willie's not trying to be a smart arse by by doing what he does. It's just, and uh, if you have any sort of demons with him at any level at all, you you'll know that he just everything is very fluid, and he doesn't want to to back himself into a corner by you know aiming at one particular target. He wants to have that flexibility, and uh, and like Danny says, he he can change his mind five times in the last five minutes, but. Um, that that's just his way. That's just his mind. You know, if you if you read any of the the stable tours with him, you know, you can tell he, he just kind of thinks out loud. You know, and he, he he doesn't um he doesn't he doesn't like to be too definitive in what he says because he wants that wants that scope to to make it to make a change if he spots something late on that that makes him alter his opinion. So New evidence you, and all that. So if if you went up to him and said, "So Willie, under so could he go for the Gold Cup this year? He's not getting any younger." I suppose he could, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We'll think about it. That that kind definitely time. make a case for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just his way. It's just his way. Like when we were chatting the other week about Faheen, you know, I was kind of running stats for him as we were talking. You know, what's the oldest horse to ever win the, the Royal Hurdle now, <laughs> or the Stairs Hurdle? Did an eleven-year-old ever win the RSA? You know, it's just kind of, the thought process is just kind of. Uh, open and ongoing the whole time you know it, it, it's fascinating he's, he's an interesting guy well I, I maintain that Rich Ritchie wants to be the man standing in the winner's enclosure going an 11 year old's never won the 4 year old the, the 4 mile national on chase but Patty and I have done it we've done it history <sighs> well, if he's going to start 1-2 to two for that race yeah imagine Willie wouldn't mind having a go exactly <laughs> he'll be He'll be twos on to go and win it, and he'll stay at no problem at all. Oh, oh, um, before we move on to Faheen <laughs> and his season of redemption, um, which is coming up, uh, he's already had that, to be fair, at Punchestown. Um, in all seriousness, Duvan, you're the, you're the second person connected to the yard that I've heard say Duvan champion chase. And you're not of the mindset of the Gold Cup. Are you absolutely serious about the idea of, in your mind, that Footpad could be a Gold Cup horse this season. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think he he could be. Um, you know, I suppose being for a, a Gold Cup horse, you need to have that speed and that ability to to jump so fluently. And the way he relaxed early in the Arca last year uh, said to me that you know another year under his belt is he six turn and seven this year like so he's only really starting to grow up if he can relax like that early on in a good stay in chase and then switch on that bit of a gear that he has late on you know, I, I think he he could be a a very formidable opponent in, in that uh, race 
Good night. Nah, you're nuts. You're nuts, Mullins. You're nuts. That Gold Cup is a boat race. He's no boat. He's a speedster. <laughs> I'm telling you, and you, you probably won't see him over further than two and a half before Christmas, knowing the way Willie will let him probably warm up. But I'm telling you, he that's it's the blue ribbon at Cheltenham. He'll want to win it. How important is it to, to Willie to win it? I suppose he, he you know, he, he's the best jumps trainer around and he'd love to have it on his CV. But at the same time, like, as we've seen with Vatour, if, if the horse isn't right, he's not just going to fire a few darts at the race for the sake of trying to win it. If a horse is going for the race, it's because he believes he can win it. Well, you just know it, Willie. Look, Willie's a competitor. The whole team is, is full of competitors. And they've been second in it now at the last count. I believe they've been second in it 29 times. And you know that when Willie Mullins goes to bed, the Gold Cup is the race that he's probably thinking about. Yeah. You know, what, how many times has he been second in it in real terms? Is it five? 97. It's something like five. It's, it's, <laughs> yes, it's, 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 it's a, a lot of times. Three of them was Florida Pearl. Probably before on, my time well, there was, was he. There was on, on his, his own, own Jackadam, um, Sir de Champ. They were all in a row in different order. Yeah. Um, he's been second. Was he second again since? I think he was. Yeah. Oof. It's it's um it's a frustrating one. Was Jackadam <laughs> second twice? Thing, nobody remembers second. <laughs> Jack, Jack Adam was second twice and oh, he was third as well, yeah. So yeah. Sir Deschamps on his own, Jack Adam, Jack Adam. So that's, Definitely. So that's four. It's and then there's four as Pearl. That, that's uh, no, no, it's not. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's such... And that, that'll drive a fella mad, to be fair. Yeah. God, poor old, poor old Willie. If Footpad does run in it and, it's, and Willie turns into the insane emoji... If he finishes second, beaten by some hundred to one boat, that would be not good. So run him in but the championship. Just, just, just looking here for the sake of argument in terms of what Willie has prominent, we'll say, in the market at the minute. Would Foot Bells Pad, Hill Foot be Pad one to for, not to forget about Ferd as well? Oh, I love that I, horse. I, the only thing I'd be worried about with, with Bells Hill is his record going left is really and notably inferior to his record going right handed. Like yeah. it, I know sometimes we can read into these things too much now, but when you separate his left and right hand form, like it stands out like a sore thumb now. It looks really significant. That that would be the the concern. But I, I wouldn't question his talent for the job now. I'd say yeah, he'd be, just, I'd say he'd be well hasn't able. Hasn't performed at Cheltenham as well before. Yeah, like Cheltenham and Leopardstown, he he's tended to be a small bit of a letdown, especially at Cheltenham. Um, so that that'd be the query there. But you still at the same time. Well, didn't Willie have another horse relatively recently that um, he ran bad twice at Cheltenham and then he went and won? Was it Black Hercules? Black Hercules, oh, yeah. Did yeah. yeah. Black Hercules blob in the bumper and in a, in a novice hurdle and people were talking and about Albert it. Barton, and, yeah. Yeah, and then he went and he won, uh, went and won a novice chase there. So it's not impossible, but when you, when you look at Bells Hill's overall record... He won the JLT there. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a four-miler, Kennedy, was it? Shut up. <laughs> oh, long, oh, long-term listeners will be giggling away at themselves with that one. <laughs> I'll bring Patrick, up today Patrick Mullins <laughs> told me off-air 
Jesus, whatever you do, don't don't put this out, right? Whatever you do, don't put this out. But he's the one for the four miler. And I went, really? He goes, yeah, this yeah. This was yeah. at the beginning of the season now. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, oh, no, no, no. Seriously, I've spoken to Graham. He's the one for the four miler. Graham's happy to go for it. So is that. And, and I'll take it up from here. I'll take it up from here now, Kennedy. And rather than just keeping it to himself, like everyone would, Kennedy decided to tease the listeners by saying all season, Patrick told me which one the four, which one of the four miler horses, but I'm not going to tell you. And he kept it to himself the whole, the, up until about two weeks before the race. And then Willie did a wonderful thing. Kennedy had a saver bet for the RSA chase, just in case he switched them. <laughs> and then he switched into the JLT and won. Oh. And I got messages. Oh, I got messages from from Tom Cates and a number of others saying Kennedy is going to go for the JLT, and I was like, "That's ridiculous." That is pulling my that, that, that is the or, that is the origins of sweet sweet justice. That that's where that came from. Hearing <laughs> me. Oh, you got what you deserve there. Now, Thanks Kennedy. for that, oh, Kev. Thanks. The sweetness of it. Thanks oh. for that. Appreciate it. We're anyway. not supposed to dig up the graves of last year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, that, that was one of my highlights at Cheltenham that year. <laughs> so al- alternative Willie Mullins Gold Cup contenders were coming down in the, on the line that basically there isn't one. Well, no, I'll, I'll list them off here quickly. There's Footpad, Bells Hill, Dovan is in there. Album Photo could potentially be a sneaky one. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Kalultavik, uh, that ship's probably sailed. Oh, probably. forget it, forget it. He he needs to jump. His serious talent, but needs to jump. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you're kind of you're you're poking around and Benny the Jew, no chance of running in the Jew, imagine. No, apparently. Uh, kind of it. Total recalls there at a big price, but again, probably ship has sailed again. Yeah, and David taught last year when he tipped up at the third last, he was still going fairly well. Okay. Um. But you wouldn't know it. He, he needed to, to get into the race still at that stage. So and uh, yeah. did people tweet you abuse about what a terrible ride it was? And <laughs> you're not... No, I, I was falling like, off another one. A second. <laughs> we, we both fell that day. So yeah, yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah. So so ba- so ba- in a nutshell, Willie's Gold Cup hand at the minute doesn't look all that strong. So. You'd, you'd say that would probably raise the possibility of him maybe getting a bit chancy with something um, like footpad, even though I'd be distressed in the extreme if it happened. But whatever about the Gold <laughs> Cup, I, I, I'd be frightened in my life now if he went for the Gold Cup, just because, as we've talked about many times before, the Gold Cup is just an extreme test of stamina. But what, what I would be fascinated to see um, footpad in if we're going to go down that road is the King George. That he'd yes. be super interested in that. That'd be yeah, a fun race yeah. to watch him in. Yeah, he'd zip around there. Flat track, you'd easy take three miles. Definitely suit him. Yeah. Oh, he'd zip around there. That'd be and fun. It, it could be, it could be a race that Willie could target maybe in the transition from a two miler to a, a three-two horse. Step up, maybe the Darken. I don't know. Then the mm. King George or something like that could be a route. And they've they've talked about Altior potentially going up and trip this year. So imagine you'd Altior mm. versus uh, Footpad and the King George. <laughs> It oh, something else. would be an exciting one with, with Mike Bite in the mix of them as well oh stop yeah um, definitely and a grade one in Limerick on Stevens's day and Leopard's Soundway where we will could, you we be we could work that Danny if you can if you can figure it out now can, <laughs> do you reckon you'll be able to make it over to Kempton and then back to Limerick 
Let's get the helicopter. Where, wherever we are going, I'm sure myself will have a good fight beforehand. Paul and Ruby will have their pick and there'll be a scrap in the yard between myself and David. <laughs> Who would win now? Boxing match. I don't know. You were, you Rachel, Rachel Blackmore would come in and wipe her eye with the whole lot of them. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, it'd be like that scene in, in The Dark Knight where uh, where the Joker kills a goon and then there's two left and he, he breaks off a pool cue and he says, I've got an opening, but there's only for one. Throws it in the middle and says, whoever lives gets it. <laughs> and then you just, Chris Arnold cuts away and it's whichever of these two goons gets to join it. So, yeah, sorry, David Mullins. Um, so, terrible, tragic so passing. So 99% of our listeners have, are not nerds and have no idea what you're on about. Oh, you reckon 99% <laughs> of our listeners have not seen Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight? Yes. I, I Danny have Mullins, seen. have you seen it? No. Get off the <laughs> show! <laughs> God, I haven't seen it either. Tonight. How have you not seen The Dark Knight? Oh, you're a Because I, like I like reality. You're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. I, I get it on my Netflix list. Um, Christopher Nolan is not a believer in Netflix, so you won't get it there, but do get it on your watch list. Oh, he's the oh, he's one of the directors to never direct a bad film. It's um it's terrific. It's part of the Batman trilogy, as opposed to the current modern day Batman, which is just laughable. Speaking of uh, interesting horses for the King George, this is from regular listener to the show Ian Sears. Could Bell's Hill be a dark one for the King George? Possibly. Um, yeah, right-handed as well. Yeah. As Kevin was saying, his left-handed form isn't as good. Um, could be, yeah, you wouldn't know. Mm. Yeah, I, I specifically asked Willie that when I, when I spoke to him last week, and he he wasn't ruling it out, <laughs> which, which isn't much of a help. But, <laughs> but he, he didn't, If as long as he doesn't rule it out, you know you have some chance. If he rules it out, you know you're absolutely on a dead one. <laughs> well, if he rules it out, he could be guaranteed that he'll go. Yeah, true enough. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <The other side. laughs> We've seen that before. Shadovan <laughs> um, was out for the season there last Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two runs later, and uh, and it's all changed. Um, what about Underso? He's been the iron horse for the yard. He'll be 11 by the time Cheltenham comes along, but there's still more winning to be done with him, I suspect. Yeah, definitely. Um, I seen him coming up uh, through the sand ring loose there about two weeks ago. He's, uh, <laughs> he's still as uh, as fiery as ever. He he dropped uh, his uh, rider. Virginia rides him every day, and he just he, he looks great as well. You know, he's he's a bit older, and you know, last year he got beat in Cheltenham on, on good ground. I'd say the key to him is rain as well. Mm. Um, you know, he he what he he usually wins that race. The hilly way is it in Cork and yeah, yeah. The As- Ascot is at Clarence House. Usually comes up soft as well. And you know, Patrick gave him a fantastic ride in Punchestown last year. Brilliant on gra- ground that we all probably thought was going to be a bit quick for him, but he just let him at it and his jumping got him around in front. And that yeah, was he's some he's some horse. That Jeez, was a sensational horse. performance that day. And and even if we were to say that. You know, Duvan wasn't at his best and was probably still feeling a little bit sore after Cheltenham. For him to go and do that, the roar from the crowd that day, Kevin, it was just indicative of what an, an absolute monster of a horse he is. And we've spoken before about how 
we think he doesn't quite get the recognition he deserves. But I think that recognition is coming his way slowly but surely now. Uh, he's a special horse. And the thing, the sad thing in many ways about national hunt racing is that if a horse kind of fails to do the job when expected at the Cheltenham Festival, the, the kind of racing public can hold it, hold it against them for quite a while. Hmm. Um, like, you, you, you know, you could... Hurricane Fly would spring to mind. I think it took people a long time to forgive him getting beaten the champion hurdle a couple of times. And, you know, Underso was obviously expected um, to win the champion chase that year. The sprinter Sacker beat him. and um, But he's just been an incredible horse. And I think I've pointed it out before. And I'm just trying to find the... I'm just trying to find the stats here in front of me because they're really interesting numbers. Um, like, if you if you isolate Underso... Um, over two miles, you know his record uh, on ground. You know, softer, softer. I think he's pretty much unbeaten, um, and un- un- unchallenged. You know, he's just a sensational horse in in those circumstances. Uh, exceptionally yeah, when, hard to beat when he's got that heavy ground. It's uh, it's fantastic to watch it. Uh, him get out there. He nearly just turns his head a little bit sideways. You can see his jaw sticking out, and he just motors through muck. <laughs> to, to watch him over the first few events uh, I think it's fantastic in, in some of them like uh, around Ascot and that yeah um, yeah he's he's probably shaping up maybe as Kevin was saying to, to get the respect of being maybe a people's horse now and he's got a, yeah, a, it, he's and, got a... It's, it's fun it's funny because sometimes these horses have to get beat a few times to, to really be taken into people's hearts like Hurricane Fly was a bit like that in the, in the end you know it was only when people were expecting him to kind of fade away into the sunset, and he came back and beat you know the likes of Jeski and our Connor. Damn right he did. That that, that was when it really <laughs> set him alight. Uh, and and you you'd see that with other horses too. Uh, I think Dovan could be one to fit that bill this year if he does. If he comes back to his best, I think he'll ha- have a lot much. He'll have much more support than he had when he was you know fully expected to to bolt up the whole time. You know. Um, but I, I just Prince Sacra is another one like that. You know, the, the year he came back to himself was, oh, was fantastic to see. Unbelievable stuff. When yeah, you think exactly. about people love a come, they love a comeback story. When you think about winning at Tinkle Creek, um, going to Cheltenham for the Clarence House that year because Ascot was being redeveloped, then winning at Cheltenham as well when he pulled the arms off Ruby um, in in the Ryanair and yet he comes back a season later and, and goes and has another winning season rounding off with, with victory at Punchestown it might not have happened to Cheltenham but it did happen on the big stage again he's been an absolute superstar and, and obviously if he's throwing Virginia to one side while working then he still has that sparkle I'm yeah just, definitely I, I, I found my numbers here go on uh, so under so um, around two miles, so we'll, we'll give him two mile one. We'll throw that in the mix as well. On ground with soft in the, in the description, he's unbeaten and unchallenged on every all fourteen occasions. He he got those conditions. That is unbelievable. That's that's limestone large slash solarina stuff. And I think if, and if under so you know in in hypothetical land, if I won't say if he was in another yard, but if Willie was a bit short of two milers through the last few years and he stuck to two miles. Um, you know, I think that record would be even better. You know, he clearly does stay further than two, but I think two on soft ground, you know, are his absolute optimum conditions. And I don't think there's, I don't know if there's been a horse and trainer for, for quite a few years that could deal with him um, in those conditions. You know, the only time he's shown a vulnerability over two miles is when the ground is good. 
Um, I, I don't even know if he likes Cheltenham all that much, to be brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which sounds like a mad thing to say. I, I don't know if it really suits him. Yeah, well, Hurricane uh, Fly didn't really love Cheltenham. He just kept running I, well I there. I don't think he liked it at all. Yeah. Well, it just shows you it's just class. Class and, and will to win, which is one thing the two of those that, that Hurricane and, and Underso have. Like, it will just drag a horse so far. And it still and takes a very good, good one to see, them. I suppose, as well. Both horses were owned by owners who, who maybe didn't have the, the huge, huge string of horses that, that mm. we're seeing. I suppose you, you get that maybe more with the jumping as well. Yeah. Where you, someone can come across a horse like that and, and they really appreciate it. I mean, it's great. Asher, not, not anymore, sure. There's all Giggins down in JP now. <laughs> and Graham Wiley I, and Rich Ritchie. <laughs> you, you, you'd be uh, there's a few Mullins that don't like that but uh, <laughs> in fairness they, they don't do the game too bad either maybe the authorities have to look at a few other options but they, well, well they, you do know Danny that the uh, the British are looking into Michael O'Leary and uh, they're saying you know I, I, I don't know I mean I don't think we can allow this to continue I mean What's he doing with all these multiple entries coming over here to our races and, and winning? I mean, something has to be done about capping the runners of O'Leary horses. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> JP's been well, doing it, this for years. Well, it's it's funny the, the way the thing has kind of come full circle because, you know, for for years and years, the flat was seen as the game that was pretty much impossible to break into in Ireland. And now yeah, your Uncle Tom and the likes of Henry de Bromhead and others they're having more and more runners on the flat because commercially it's seen as, as more attractive. You know, if you can train a two-year-old to win a race, you can, you know, all being well with the vet, you can get very well paid. Whereas over jumps, it's just that, it's just so competitive now. Willie and Gordon, and again, there's there's pluses and and and, and negatives to, to the situation, but Willie and Gordon have just driven standards so, so high. They're so good at what they do. And it's, and it's not just training. Like I firmly believe that, that as well as being, you know, the best trainers, the the teams they have there in terms of recruiting horses, yeah, are just tip top. And that's the real challenge of it. You know, there's a, the Ireland is full of trainers that'd be more than good enough to train and succeed with um, those horses. But it's having the ability to get the owners in and to recruit the right ones, um, is the real skill of it. I think. I wonder, Kevin, what's your view on point-to-point? And is there too much point-to-point and where a lot of the good trainers are going to win their point-to-point and not taking the likes of Gordon and Willie? Well, I suppose it's just an extension of what's going on in the race course in that fellas think they can, they have a better chance of getting paid if they go and win a point-to-point because that, that market is so strong. Uh, but again, I suppose you, you've got a situation where them boys in Wexford are so good at that that it's not getting it's not too easy to 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 win a, a four-year-old maiden anymore yeah i suppose it, it's uh interesting in the way but there's nearly uh there's nearly so much uh point to point and now i i i wonder does it take away from the competitiveness of the likes of the the bumpers or some of the maiden hurdles where maybe very very good small jumping teams a few years ago weren't afraid to to have a go and take on the Willies or Garden or the Bromheads and Gigginstown and that in those races and they're just gone gone two point to points so as they can sell. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see which way it goes now because I think there's a possibility that the whole point to point scene is is and I could be totally wrong now, but I think there there could be an element of a bubble about it 
um, the, the sort of prices they're making. And it just wouldn't be a shock to me now. It might only take a run of very high-profile horses that are bought out of point-to-points for a lot of money and um, being total flaps on the race course um, to, to bring the whole thing back around a bit and to, to rein it in a little bit in terms of the money that's been spent. And, you know, the thing took a bit of a knock with Alan Potts obviously passing away, who was a big supporter of that scene. And, you know, I just, you know, things never stay the same for too long. And I just, I wouldn't be shocked if it comes back around full circle again. Yeah, like a few years ago, I suppose France was the place everybody was going. And then France got too expensive. So they came back to the point of points and there's a chance it could go full circle again. Yeah, t- things never stay still. That's one certainty. And it all tends to be go, go around in a, a kind of an oddly shaped circle. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be getting too despondent about it. But it's a fair point now. And I know I know I was talking to a couple of guys and I won't say who it was, but um someone at, at an official level in Irish racing and they were just making the point that you know it, it's a bit of the your the, the the point you've mentioned there is a bit of a concern at HRI level because they they provide funding um, to an extent to the point to point scene and there there may be questions being asked internally like you know is this are we justified in in partly funding the point to point scene when you could make the argument that it's taken away from the race course product and that a lot of nice horses that like you say in the past would have rocked up for bumpers at nice tracks in Ireland they're now being kept for point to points so it's it's interesting it's an interesting question Time will tell. Absolutely. But if France... No, it always does. If um, time discloses all. But if switching from France to the point-to-points, because not necessarily that they became more in fashion, the point-to-pointers, but that it was seen as a more valuable market. And then you look at point-to-point results and you see Andy Dufresne retaining with Gordon Elliott but being switched to J.P. McManus for £330,000 when we have no idea really how good that horse is. Like, do you see that bubble crashing, Kevin? Oh, I, I could certainly see it. You know, paying 400000 for a point-to-pointer, it's, it's an awful lot of money. Mm. And of course, you know, the, Richard Pugh will, will give you the stats, you know, and of course an awful lot of horses, good, real good horses come out of them, but plenty of, uh, plenty of ones that don't prove to be value for money come out of them as well. And um, like I say, I just, I just wondered if there was a run of high-profile ones that didn't fulfil their promise, that it, it might just soften people a little bit in the market, and they might lean back towards France. They might, you know, it's just it's there's just so many things going on because now you don't see many of the 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 staying flat horses being bought to go jumping anymore because there's just so much money there to go abroad with them. Yeah. Um. The the you know Australian thinking, Australian based connections. You know some, and you just European trainers that want uh, that staying type of horse. It's very difficult for the jumps boys to compete with that, and hence the point they've gone down other avenues, France, point to points. Um. It, it's just fascinating. There's an awful lot of moving parts to it, but um. One certainty is it won't stay still. Absolutely, and if they are going to switch, it's it's like a, a Willie Mullins yard, so that they can be dual purpose if needs be. Uh, which brings us nicely along to Penn Hill, uh, formerly trained by Luca Kamani, who's about to, um, I should say, Luca Kamani, who's about to hang up his um, his training gear at the end of the season. And that was one of the unbelievable pieces of training last season to get him to Cheltenham fully fresh, ready, and to go and win first time out in the stairs hurdle. It can't have been easy. 
Um, but he absolutely bolted up on the day. Um, what was the, uh, the the feeling like with um, with Paul Townend? What was the feeling like from from Willie? How, what was the reaction, Danny? Uh, I remember that morning. I think the previous day was that Ruby was after taking the fall and uh, hurt his leg again. Bloody album uh, photo. <laughs> he opened up the door for Paul and um, Paul hadn't ridden a winner at, at the festival uh, last year up on the, till the second last day and uh, myself and Paul were having a chat coming off the gallop when, and Willie asked him did he want to ride uh, Bacardi switch on to Bacardi so Ruby was declared on or Penn Hill and I, I said to Paul I thought Bacardi's homework was uh, so much better and and he said, no, I can't leave Penn Hill. You know, he's been here and done it. And uh, he won the, the Albert Bartlett the year before on him. And he he just thought back then that his, he'd never really shown a real sparkle at home. And he was hopeful that he was saving a little bit again. And, you know, the race really panned out well for him. Willie, fantastic job, you know, first time out to, for the year uh, to go and win it. Um, but just in Punchestown, maybe when there was a true run race over the three miles, he just got found out a little bit. But in Cheltenham, when things went very steady early on, Paul just crept into the race and put in a fantastic performance. Um, you know, one that operates around Cheltenham and maybe goes and gets beaten. Punchestown are, are, are they the horses everybody uh, would rather have than the horse that goes and wins in Punchestown. But I don't know, either way, either place would do me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was just a really funny race, wasn't it? I know you Very. wrote it, Danny. That, that, that stairs, it was just that they hacked around, didn't they? Oh yeah, it was a it was it was very odd because you know that I forget the English horse. Um, Sam Spinner. Jed O'Keefe's is it? Yeah, Sam Spinner. We all thought he was going to go a right gallop and a bit of rain came that morning and they jumped out and hacked along and it just changed the race so much uh, for for whatever way you, you would have read the race on paper. It it didn't ride that way and I suppose Payne Hill was a good flat horse back in the day with uh, Luca Kamani and his uh, bit of flat speed kicked in later on. Uh, that defeat then at Punchestown came at the hands of a certain legendary racehorse who was done his goose was cooked he was finished he was a has-been no he's not he comes up and absolutely bolts up what did you make of that then because you were saying that was more of a true run race that was more about stamina and it did look as though Faheen's time had come and yet somehow that man again William Mullins manages to get him to go and bounce back and perform brilliantly yeah like uh Faheen, well, he was brilliant in Punchestown, you know. Uh, David gave him a great ride, and you know, it that was an end to end gallop in Punchestown. And you know, it's probably a little bit nicer ground than Cheltenham, uh, on the day as well. So you'd wonder, you know, maybe, maybe Penn Hill is the one for. Uh, a steadily run three miles where they have to quicken and go for he he's he's back he's in good shape um, I seen him yesterday morning John Codd rides him out all the time and you know he, he looks in, in good shape and 
whether as uh, if you have your wish, Emmett, uh, he'll go for the four mile chase. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, Paddy! Back to back four milers for Paddy. Paddy will ring you and have a word and say, you know, Rich, uh, Rich is very good. He's done a party for all the staff and Willie's uh, earlier in the week. And it, Paddy will ring you and say, I had a word with Rich and we have one for the four miles. You have to keep it under your hat. Yeah, say <laughs> nothing to no one. And I'll, and I'll tell nobody. And at the last minute, he'll be switched, as Kevin said, to the JL fucking T. Because that's the race everybody wants to win at Cheltenham, isn't it? God almighty. <laughs> Stitched up but like Willie a li- kipper. Willie does like switching to the JLT, but the Black Hercules was... Uh, you got switched shut up, man! Point. What are you doing? So, so if you're going to have any saver bet this year, just back all of Willie's in the JLT. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. surely back a, what, it's surely back a it? runner then, Kennedy. Which, which one was it? Did, did he switch to Flack Hercules? Oh, well played. Well played. Jeez, <laughs> that's nice. um, oh, so, of the two, um, do you think Penhill will be given another quiet campaign in a case of just turn up on the day at Cheltenham? And what kind of a campaign can you expect for Faheen? I'd imagine if both come through their autumn work which at the moment they seem to be in in good shape um they'll run a a normal run of the mill campaign um what distance uh faheen will go over you'd imagine it's going to be staying distances again um hardly see him turning up in the morgiana but who's to know i'd imagine that there'll probably be others for that um Penn Hill it wasn't the case of Willie maybe planning early in the year last year to wait for Cheltenham where he just got held up a little bit and it it was a case that getting a run in beforehand wasn't going to be an option mm. I, I'd say he'll uh, he'll try and, and try and get them out and get them ready for a few of the, the good graded races great ones and that early in the season if all has been well with both horses uh, Min ended the season disappointingly. It didn't quite go to plan. He was probably feeling the effects of his of his entry run, and and he disappointed at Punchestown. But he showed at Cheltenham that, and he showed in the lead up as well at the Dublin Racing Festival that on his day, he's bloody good. Yeah, he's got a big engine, but I suppose um, he just seems to maybe let down a little bit on. On the big occasion, you know, he he was was very good at the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, was it a, a weak race? Maybe like York Hill underperformed on the day. Then you you go to Cheltenham. You you stop the race turning for home, and you think, Jesus, maybe maybe he's going to put it up to him, and just didn't seem to get up to Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's just not a horse. Uh, that I I could say, yeah, I, I think this lad will go and will, win in Cheltenham this year. He'll probably pick up uh, a grade one or or that through the year, definitely again. But he he just seems to disappoint a little bit uh, and he's going to have to bring up his A game to compete with some of the, the good novices coming through as well. Like these divisions, they, they don't stay weak for long and he, he couldn't... Uh, he couldn't beat some some of the maybe lesser ones last year on the real big stage. So 
I don't know. He has a bit to prove for me. You talked about different ownership at Willie's Yard and, and how that works. Sullivan Bloodstock became huge owners in a very short space of time. Uh, there's a number of syndicates involved there. And it's been confirmed that Lorena is going to be trained for the champion hurdle this season. She'll be six when it comes around, assuming all goes well. Um, this is another horse to move from Guillaume Macquier to Willie Mullins. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty certain that um, Mr. Macquier is like, this horse, Phil, on her only start for me, Mr. Mullins, stop taking my horses. How am I supposed <laughs> to win on it? If you continue to take my horses like Pompeii, he's going mad. Uh, so Willie gets them, and uh, they turn into superstars. She was awesome at Cheltenham. No idea what she beat, but she absolutely bolted up. And she made Fairy House look pretty easy as well. How good can she be in your eyes? She has the potential to go to the very top, but I suppose uh, with her, um, it is, it's all potential. Like Cheltenham... the was very weak opposition you know there were a nice bunch of mares but she she had the class to maybe step up to be a, a true grade one contender where she never actually proved what she can do everything she done last year even in fairy house it's just all maybe carrying potential forward where um, I I have a feeling Sam Crow is going to go the champion hurdle route and he's a proven horse where there's nothing to say Lorena isn't going to be, you can't say she is going to be as good as him yet, but she has to go and prove it still for me. While, while I'm a big fan of her, she, she just hasn't said, yeah, I'm going to be a champion hurdler this year. And maybe her first run this season, she will come out and, and show that level of form. And what do you make of Sam Crow? I think he, he's got it all, to be fair. Uh, everyone last year, you know, even before before uh, Cheltenham, there was a few days where I kind of I looked at his form and thought maybe there's a hole in this fella still. But each run he got better and better, and to me he's a very good horse. Like he he's he's as good a novice now as we've seen really. And I don't know whether I'm reading between the lines or not, but I've seen Gordon Elliott's interview in, in Punchestown two weeks ago. And they asked him about Sam Crow and they said, no decision is made. And it moved along to Apple's Jade. And Gary O'Brien asked them, uh, would she go for the champion hurdle or the stairs hurdle or the mayor's hurdle? And he said, no, definitely won't go for the champion hurdle. It'll be the mayor's hurdle or the stairs. To me, that was a bit of a hint. Sam Crow is going the champion hurdle route. <laughs> and Danny, Danny, if you owned him and rode him, which way would you go? If it was yours to make the decision and you got to ride him, which direction would you go? I think I'd go champion hurdle with him. Would you? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think he's got an awful lot of class, and you know he he might uh, he might not have some of the raw speed that some of the the other maybe ex flat horses have in that, but those Grade One two mile hurdles they they just go such a gallop. You need to be maybe somewhat of a stayer in them. Like uh, maybe go back to 
Hurricane Fly, he was able to perform at three miles. Hardy Eustace, Neptune winner. Like that, that Neptune throws up plenty of them good two mile hurdlers. Yeah. It's been the best trial for champion hurdlers uh, in the past. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, you've already talked about it, Kevin. You're very much of the view that um, go chasing, lads. Go chasing. But uh, no. What? I thought oh, you were that. the. Oh, no, no. Ch- turn, champion hurdle all the way. Turns out I don't even read your blogs and don't listen to your um, comments <laughs> on the podcast either. No, my, my view is that there's man, there's been a few champion hurdles left behind by people going over fences rather than staying put. And I think he could potentially be one. I could see him win a champion hurdle for sure. And the division is just so windy. In terms of, in terms of risk and reward, I think it, it's a far less risky thing um, to stay hurdling and the rewards are much greater because there, there's plenty of nice horses going chasing that you'd be up against. Um, whereas, you know, you have Boover Dare, a two-time champion hurdler, but not uh, far from an all-time great, I think it's fair to say. Um, Melon, Lorena, you know, Somerville Boy, that's kind of your champion hurdle scene at the men, all fine horses, but... You know, Lorena could potentially be a superstar, but right now, you know, Sam Crow would have the edge on her in terms of form if the two of them were going in as a second season hurdler. So, keep on, go hurdling, see what happens. Okay, uh, a couple of other ones to ask you about before we let you return to normal life and indeed sanity. Monkfish, who I presume is named after what? the brilliant, the absolutely brilliant sketch that used to be on the Fast Show. Monkfish. Uh, who? He's a bumper horse at Willie. Monkfish. Uh, monkfish. But you have to say monkfish for the fast show sketch. <laughs> what can you tell us about him, Danny? I haven't came across him yet. Oh, come um, on, man. No. Uh, Patrick's obviously been, been hiding him from us for, for a little bit. Uh, none of those horses that, are, that are, haven't really started doing any fast work, all, all those uh, maybe winter winter bumper horses. So... Oh, he, he he's only uh, he'd be only hacking away in in pre-training really. Still, he he's one of got any info for you? On. Right. Well, I I have got one for you, Danny. Quickly, I'll just say this: uh, he was bought for thirty-six thousand euro and ended up being sold for two hundred and thirty-five thousand pounds uh, to end up at William Mullins Yard. Now, if we do the Brexit currency conversion, we can see that that's thirty-eight thousand euro. So, just a mild profit there. <laughs> But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of Lula uh, to get to to Willie's yard. So uh, keep an eye on it. Kevin. Uh, well, we know Danny, you're you're the thinking man's jockey. You like to have a think about the game, and you yeah. have your th- you'll have your theories on it. So we want the Danny Mullins evaluation of York Hill. And as you're doing this, we would like you to sit, <laughs> preferably on a lounge chair, stroke your chin. <laughs> And and look like Fraser Crane, really musing, or Sigmund Freud, really going through. I do solve a problem like your kill. What what is it that has gone on? I think his future definitely for me lies over hurdles. Um, it just doesn't. I know he he's won a novice chase around Cheltenham, but just doesn't seem to have enough use of himself. Well, definitely didn't last year as a chaser uh the engine is still there somewhat but i don't know he's 
he's very very tricky like the last I rode him his last two runs in Artoy and he ran the pre-Labarca I think I finished fifth or sixth on him thought I was going well into the straight and just flattened out and the champion hurdle over there he just flattened out very soon and he just seemed to be gone at the end of last year early on in the season you know he, he was showing plenty of good things and at the moment he, he seems to be in good shape at home and doing everything right uh, whether Willie is going to go down the staying hurdle route with him this year I don't know uh, I think he, he just has to go left handed he, he can't perform going right handed um, yeah he's I suppose you could come up with four or five different theories and still be wrong with him. But I think over hurdles, maybe stay in trip. And fingers crossed he can show what he has shown in the past. But he he's very much uh, one that you, it's, it's hard to figure out if he will come back. So in, in a nutshell, don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> if he's on song, he's a proper one, but will it happen? Who knows? Does he just need yeah. a break? Does he just need a rest? No, he's got a rest now. Is that at all summer? Yeah, <laughs> but time to shine. Absolutely, but I remember speaking to Graham Wiley the day after the champion. It was actually just after Ruby had gotten injured. And um, I was asking about York Hill, and he said, yeah, one of the Mullins team is suggesting that we go for the Melling Chase. And I went, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we're thinking about changing tactics and going for the Melling Chase, these right for fences again. And then I was speaking to him again afterwards, and he was like, yeah, we're not going back to... <laughs> we're not going back <laughs> over fences. We're staying over hurdles. So it, he just... He's an enigma. He just... He really is an enigma at this stage. But um, he was a horse of such potential that I really hope... He able he's able to bounce back and, and get back to uh, to that brilliance that he once showed. Like jeez, um, like his form hasn't half stood up. Like oh, no, it's he, unreal. He, touched off by road to respect, despite you know going via the car park at Fairy House. Yeah. You know, uh, and other bits and pieces. It's um ah, I know he, he oh, I was so upset with him Two last wins. year. Oh, Ruby was brilliant on him. Yeah, his, oh, his JLT, his JLT was just outrageous. It really was. Uh, just be, be, genuinely beautiful riding. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in like, the, the Neptune, as it was in the JLT, proper uh, as good as I've seen in years. I'd imagine that the, both those the, days. The, brilliant. The JLT as well. Willie didn't have a winner all week in Cheltenham. The horses were sick. To but the horses are out of form. Everybody, um, everybody was wearing black armbands on day three of Cheltenham because Willie was done, and then on comes the four timer. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic, sensational stuff. Um, before oh, you... no, we, we won't give him too, we won't give him too much credit for the JLT. He hit the front too soon. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Uh, stuff. I think it, it's probably all the injuries. He just can't hold onto a horse anymore. It's just the, the, <laughs> oh, just, just the arms are just going to pop out of his out of his sockets. Um, Ara, he signed to the other side. Sure, it's not like he's coming on the show anytime soon. It's grand. Um, be, before we go, before before we go, um, we have to get the Danny Mullins lucky sixty three for Chelsea. Oh Jesus. <laughs> 
So this How now. Many is I, lucky six I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Oh. Danny. Nobody knows. <laughs> a lot of horses. <laughs> I mean, all right. First of all, Kevin, it's been five years now. It's six. <laughs> right? It's six. So let's... why don't they just call her? Why don't they just call her Lucky Six? <laughs> because there's sixty-three vets. <laughs> Lucky Six. Can you imagine? Someone's got to do that now to simplify things. Pop one in for the Lucky Six. Here at Vet Fred. Oh. <laughs> right, Danny. The uh, final Furlong podcast, Lucky Fifty-Seven. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> this this but, is going to be a struggle. <laughs> there's no such thing, but Kevin likes to use that phraseology for a bet. 57 horses, 63 horses. Uh, so give us your anti-post picks for Cheltenham <laughs> as they stand now, or the horses that you, you would most like to ride at Cheltenham 2019. Go. Number one, uh, we'll go with Mount Leinster for the Cheltenham bumper. Oh, oh yeah, boy, yeah. Has he been sold or is he still wearing the Mullins colours? I don't know that, but I can't imagine he won't be wearing them for long. Yeah. He looks to be a bit of a jet on what we've seen so far. Yeah, he's and, included and in your stable much, tour, Kev. And how much commission are you on, Danny? <laughs> Twenty percent. Because because Rich because Rich and and Graham Wiley and JP they all listen to the podcast. They do. Yeah, I remember he was going to Ballinrobe. It's it's of no use, Patrick. It's of no use to you now, but I can tell you that Eddie O'Leary listens to the podcast as well. But the last thing you want is him coming in and then taking it for another yard. Jesus. Come on, peace in if, our time. If, peace in our time. If, you have to laugh. If the price is right, I'm sure Jackie would sell him out from, from under <laughs> William There you go. There so, you go. What were you saying, Danny, when he was going to Ballon Robe? When he, yeah, I remember when he was going to Ballon Robe and I, I, I'd watched him work and I just said to Patrick, I said, this, uh, this is not a summer bumper horse. Uh, and Patrick just smiled, and uh, I think that that said it all before he romped up there. <laughs> Ballon robe, and what was it? September. September. Yeah. Over. Gee, good Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's some bit of place in there. Um, and by the way, by the way, they managed to get just short of even money. Just the twenty. Yeah, yeah. Just the twenty-two links. I mean, you know, yeah. just a little bit of a sweat on. <laughs> Some crack. Uh, go on anyway. So you think he's going to be the Cheltenham champion bumper horse? I think so. I I couldn't imagine. I w- it's a, well, it's hard to get into Willie's head, but I can't imagine him sending him novice hurdle. And I think uh, did Kevin? I'll probably know him a bit more. Did he mention him in the stable tour? Oh did yeah, he, he's yeah, he's all he's about bumpers. It. Yeah, he's a, yeah a horse of his class. I, I I'd imagine. It'll be hard to find one as good as them for the bumper. Um, where we go then? Dovan, uh, champion chase? Dovan, yeah, champion chase. Is uh, it Dovan or is it Dovan? I'd go Dovan, maybe Kevin. Dovan. I, I, I think it's Dovan. I, I always say Dovan, but all the, all the 
Woody certainly Kate. calls him Duvan. Okay. Duvan Cato Cato. Oh, that's careful. Cato. That's careful. A, that's it's Cato. A factual, it's a factual it's fact. It's a factual that fact Cato. that it's Cato. Yeah. <laughs> don't get that one wrong. <laughs> Uh, well, right, we have two then. I go third one is Footpad Gold Cup. No, oh. hopes and dreams of many shattered, but anyway, go on. Yeah, Grant, <laughs> we'll give Gordon a little bit of hope as well. I think Sam Crow champion hurdle. Yeah, throw Gordon okay. an old bone there. Go on. <laughs> um. How many have we got? We've, We've four. got four. There, I think, yeah. Four. There's seven, 17 more. Just just two more. <laughs> and you're clear. Two two more. Um, let me see. Getting into them. Um, I'm trying to think about novice uh, hurdler going novice chasing. And that's what we want to hear about. Next Next destination, maybe? Yeah, he was. A, he was Stop a giving him hints. Um, You've set the man a terrible task here, Kennedy. Six. This is the thing. If we put him under pressure, he might <laughs> he might crack with some golden information. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't hear that, Danny, could you? Oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm struggling to think of a novice chaser. Um. Do, do, do. What about Dr- Draconian? Draconian, yeah, he. There's a few of them there. Were decent horses. Um, do they do they do they step up? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, I'm I'm struggling. You you may help me out with one here, Kevin. Hmm. What about relegate for the I'm mayor's and office hurdle? Just looking at her. Possibly. Uh, yeah, Mayor's Novice Hurdle, that could be a good way to go with her. Uh, I don't know if there's many more mares uh, coming through there at the moment. I suppose the, the likes of Don't Hesitate and, and Pecora are decent mares too. But, um, but, if, there, but if something else have... does go down that route, take note because she's really good. Definitely. Uh, oh, as a novice hurdler this year, I think carefully selected for an Albert Barr. Oh, your old Good pal. man. Uh, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't desert him. Good man. Strong stare as well. Yeah, definitely. He he gallops uh, for sport. Uh, you know, still ran a solid race in in Punchestown, even though he got beat there, but. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't rule him out. Oh, just just to divert briefly, Danny. Um, I didn't put him in this. I never asked Willie about this horse in my stable tour, and a heap of fellas have asked me since. Oh, you got is tornado fly- is, is tornado flyer still alive and well? I haven't seen him. Uh, okay. You know, I I, I there, there's so many. <laughs> the other morning, I was riding work, and about ten horses walked in by me, and I asked all the lads what they were, and there were names that I hadn't heard of even yet. So there, <laughs> there's just an army of horses down there that that are even new to my eyes at the moment. No, okay, I better go chasing him. So just so just to sort of people yeah. can relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because people are freaking out. The amount of comments that Kevin was getting on Twitter. How could he not include a grade one bumper horse in his stable? <laughs> 
it's not like there's 150 <laughs> if, horses if, to go through. If I if I put in more than 25 horses, Woody will hang up on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and try get 25 more in with uh, Jessica Harrington and see how that one works out for you. So step away from horses there and step into something else all together. Um, what are you going to hit me with now? No, it's a general. It's just kind of a general question, right? Because. Yeah. I uh, and I'm not just saying it now because we have you on the podcast, but I wrote an article there a couple of years ago about it was about Jack Kennedy and about um, young jockeys coming through, and the fact that while Jack is obviously an example, one that came up through the pony circuit, rode a heap of winners when he was very young, and has obviously kicked on. The the point of the article was that is the system that we have there is it is it too much of a it's it, it does it set young fellas up to fail. And I gave you as the kind of the example um, in that you came from the pony circuit. You rode something like, was it 150 winners pony race and something mad anyway. Um, in with Jim Bulger, apprentice, rode a heap of winners in your first couple of seasons with Jim. Um, I'm just going to list this off now, just in case everyone's not familiar, because this is 10 years ago now at this stage. Good God. Yeah, and I'm when, sure yeah, you, when you said, when you said, and I, I listed you in there as an example, I was like, oh, Jesus, where's this going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like and I'll, I'll just briefly give give the give the listeners the kind of the, the breakdown of it. You wrote a heap of winners. I'm sure you you're only a young fella, 16, 17. I'm sure you're hearing everyone saying, "Oh, this lad's a future champion jockey," so on and so forth. Got a bit taller, got a bit heavy. Had to convert to the jumps. You're only, I think, still 17 at the time. You didn't have many more winners left on your three pound claim. And all of a sudden, you're in against the jumps boys, essentially a novice in the jumps game, but you know very quickly having to race against the likes of Ruby and Barry off level terms. And, and it went quiet for a few years. It went very quiet. And you got a few yeah, injuries. Definitely. And I can only imagine it, it was, geez, it must have been horrendously tough at the time. But while a lot of fellas would have kind of got eaten up by that situation and maybe got spat out, to be fair to you, you stuck the head down and you kept pulling forward. And you've worked yourself back into a super spot um, over the last course of the course, I don't know, whatever it is, five or six years, and you, you've got a fine career for yourself now. But just having gone and the very long-winded route to the question is having gone lived through all that and gone through it and seen it all firsthand. Do you think the system as we stand right now is fair? Do you think that there could potentially be something done to slow down? these young fellas that even when they get it become the height of fashion that they can't that they can't go through their claim as as quick as they can or or do you think it, it's fair enough the best will rise to the top regardless i think i think the best will rise to the top you know as you're saying so i i was a good example of you know what what a media hype of a superstar coming through the whole thing fell apart now i rode 19 winners my first season on the flat 29 the next year you know i was going into my third season on the flat thinking yeah sure maybe another 10 winners would be 39 40 this year would be great and i started getting heavier I think I rode seven winners that year. I started riding over jumps. I broke my collarbone, my thumb, and my arm all in the year. And then, you know, the, you know, I suppose you get your chance. Uh, for me, from my point of view, I, I think 
the lads that have to go jumping like I did, uh, it's a little bit unfair that their flat winners count as uh, as regards uh, experience. You know, right? I I only had two winners left in my three pound claim when I started riding over jumps, and you know maybe from that point of view like i was fortunate you know i, I had a big team uh like in willies there to school with and you know ruby was was very good to me starting out and all the lads down there always gave me a hand and my mother and father had plenty of handicap hurdlers and, and stuff you know i remember marley park with my first winner over hurdles and i was delighted you know barry connell gave me a few great rides you know starting out and then, you know, for me, I, I had people behind me to maybe put me in a position to go forward. But I suppose getting back to the point is the cream does rise to the top. Um, but maybe if for some of the lads like myself that are getting a bit heavier, you see Connor King is another example. Yeah. He, he's over in England, you know, he's tipping away with a few winners, but he just hasn't got the experience riding over jumps and the likes of him should be maybe given a five pound claim, maybe don't give him, you know, a, a typical seven or do they get 10 pounds sometimes over there over jumps. Um, a little start like that would be, would be no harm. But at the end of the day, you know, what, what got me going was a lot of hard work and, in the early years, riding all the winners on the flat, I don't think I really appreciated it. Um, to go through a few of those uh, quiet seasons where you know you're you're not it's not that you're you're trying to ride a winner every week. You're you're hoping to get a ride every week. It it really makes you appreciate the game, and you know now you you'd often. Uh, maybe sitting down after race and then you'd, you'd be complaining about why you, you got beaten on a horse or that. And you just think to yourself, there, there's plenty of lads out there that, that are really struggling and it, it gives you the motivation to keep going and get up and, and work harder and, and try and do better the next day. Uh, and I suppose that's it. You know, you're, you're right in that the cream, I suppose, will always rise to the top. But I suppose my concern really is is not so much for the cream. It's about the lads that are a little bit below the cream. And it's just like, at the end of the day, like you're saying there, you're riding a heap of winners, but you're only 16, 17, 18. A lot of lads in that position have left school already. You know, they might not be, I know they're, they're thrust into a very adult situation, but they might not be the most mature. Um, they're, you know, they've left school and all of a sudden things slow down. Um, they mightn't have as good a support base there. And and they're just lost to the game a little bit. They don't have the perseverance, mm. uh, and and they don't necessarily stick with it. And you just worry, but you just wonder that if there was a, a slightly different system in place, and like my thought, and I and I haven't really put any specific figures on it, but I I wonder would it be to the benefit of the overall jockey population if you put a cap on how many winners um, a lad can ride you know, at the age of 16, 17, 18. And it, it might just encourage more to, to stay, go, go a little bit handier, to maybe stay in school. And that when they get to kind of 18, 
19 maybe they're let off the leash and they have that bit more life experience, a bit more riding experience and it just might serve them better because with the pony racing situation as well and you'll know better than anyone fellas can get such a good grounding in the sport at a very young age and they turn up at the age of 16 they're claiming 10 and they've got a, a rake of experience from the pony racing circuit. And, of course, everyone wants to use them because they're, they shouldn't yeah. be claiming 10 pounds. They're much better than that. But I just, I, I'm not fond of it. And, you know, Connors, I go to Connors, uh, was a fabulous apprentice. You know, really, really good. And I know he was always going to get heavy because he's a big, tall lad. But it, it would just sadden you to see him in England, um, like you say, just tipping away for a father that's so talented. You know, Sean Corby, another one. You know, brilliant apprentice. He, he's retired this year, um, just gone heavy. And I know these lads, a lot of them are always going to get heavy, but if there was just, and some would disagree now, but I just think that if there was just something in there to slow these lads down as teenagers, they might just, you know, give them a chance to mature, give them a chance to maybe concentrate on their weight and other things rather than just going out riding winners, winners, winners while they're at height of fashion. It might just help things in the long term. But I don't know. But I know when I wrote Possibly. that article, a few jockeys' agents and a few people came out, came to me privately and said they liked the idea and that. But I suppose for fellas like you, Danny, that, that were that bit taller, I suppose there's an element of you want to get out and, and, and capitalize before you get heavy, I suppose. Yeah, like I, I remember uh, I remember I rode the, the treble on the Friday night in, uh, in Galway. I was only 16. I, I think it, it put me four clear in the apprentice championship that year and you know Galway is way out in an apprentice uh, championship but uh, Jim Bulger uh, said to my agent after that now <laughs> put a stop to all the winners uh, uh, he doesn't want me riding any more winners kind of the same idea as you as you have that I was going through my claim too quick and I think I rode another maybe two or three winners I snuck in on a few 16 and 20 to one shots here and there through the rest of the year. But I, I would have loved looking back now, I would have loved to have given the, the title a bit of a shot back then. Um, Emmett McNamara is another example of it who went on to win it that year, probably would have beaten me anyway. But uh, looking back now, if I was in a, a title situation, um, I, I'd, I'd love to have a crack at it and I suppose the other side nowadays do jockeys uh, do, do the senior riders stay riding for so much longer um, as the, the average age of a jump jockey seems to be nearly gone up to around 40 Noel Feely's 42 um, Richard well, Johnson's maybe. 57 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, are are the are the the top lads just hanging in there the the few years longer? Mm. It it's it's tough, and I know a good example I suppose was Oshin Murphy because when he was apprenticed to Andrew Balding and when he got really really hot, Andrew put a put a put a, a I think he put some rule in place that he couldn't ride in any race that was worth less than twenty grand. Let's say for example, I can't remember specifically. Yeah, but yeah. just with a view to slowing him down. And it'd be tough, and I know if, if they did bring in some, a bit of a slowdown mechanism there, it probably would, wouldn't would be popular with everyone, especially the naturally taller lads that know they're probably going to end up jumping and, and want to ride while on the flat while they're still light. But still at the same time, 
if they're going to end up over jumps and they're going to end up heavy, maybe they mightn't like being slowed down, but maybe it, it'll be to their benefit because they it, they wouldn't slam through their, their claim on the flat, like like would say happened with you. And and it might just give them that bit more of a, a chance to to hold on to their claim for when they really need it, I suppose, for their for their ultimate profession as a jump jockey. Yeah, definitely. You know, that that's a, a flip side of the coin. Like if if I never clicked as a flat jockey and had a claim over jumps, it might have opened up a, a good few more doors for me early on in my career. But then, you know, uh, after the quiet the quiet years, they're, they're no harm for you to, to make a man out yet. What you have, because, you know, at the end of the day, if people say it's it's a tough life and you fall off and this and that, but... You, you are living the, the dream that you had as a young lad and, and there's very few people that get up and, and go to work say, saying that they are living the dream. I was going yeah, to say to you, enough. Danny, just just before you brought that up, that when you look back on how difficult things were, do you actually appreciate the fact that you went through that? Do you feel that it made you a better jockey and maybe even a better man? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it's like... Uh, Maybe this season I had a fantastic uh, few months of the summer and then September popped up a bit quiet and I was kind of thinking to myself, uh, what am I doing wrong or, or what's going on? Um, just uh, maybe a few of your trainers are a little bit quieter with runners and the good rides are hard to come by. And having gone through the likes of that before, you, you don't really panic and, you know, popped up uh, and had a great month of October then. So, and things are, are rolling into the winter nicely now. So, you know, to to have seen both sides of the kind, uh, it, it, it is good. So it is. And, you know, you, you touched on, on Jack Kendi as well, like where he was the one, was it last year, the year before, where everyone was saying, could he be the youngest champion jockey since Tony McCoy or yeah. something like that? And, you know, he, he had a few awful injuries and he came back and he's, uh, he's riding as well as ever now. Um, you know, it's, it's no harm to see the other side of it to, to appreciate what you have. And I suppose that one man that's in that situation right now is probably Brian Cooper. Yeah. Because he, he's been the one that, that he was the, the sensation coming up along. He got one of the biggest jobs in racing and, and he's had some horrific injuries along the way and now that big job is gone. And I don't know if you listened to the interview with him there on um, on uh, Off the Ball, was it there, on last week. And um, and the lads were very good. Johnny Ward asked him some tough questions now. And, and I think you can tell you, he knows himself that maybe when, when things were going really well that he maybe wasn't doing the right thing all the time and having the quieter time of it now has just sort of refocused him and it'll be the measure of him now how he bounces back um having had you know a pretty quiet year yeah um, definitely you know his his ability to ride a horse is never in question um i suppose it's it's up to him now uh, how much work he wants to put in and even if you put in all the hard yards you're still not guaranteed to come back and and ride loads of winners you, you have to put in the hard yards and hopefully then maybe some good trainers are going to support you as well you know i i was uh lucky enough uh willie uh, always gave me a, a few nice rides but 
you have to capitalise on that because there, there's plenty of lads in the past who maybe have ridden winners for Willie and maybe forgot about everybody else. But when when you're maybe a little bit down the tree in a yard like that, uh, you have to hopefully ride your few big winners at the, the nice festivals through the year and let that be a springboard for all the small owners and small trainers to use you at the country meetings throughout the summer between Cheltenham and Punchestown because if you're not winning those races as well uh, the likes of Willie's owners uh, don't really want you on their horses so one has to borrow the other and you just have to keep uh, keep knocking at the door and hope it opens and speaking of jockeys who've really struggled with injury Johnny Burks had a horrific time of it over the years with the injuries he's had but he's in flying form in the UK now so he's an example like yourself Danny of someone who just refocused got back into it because it, it would have been super easy to just go nah not doing this anymore um, but he, he's young enough and he's he's given it a go and I don't quite know how because one bad fall could end him but he, he wants to keep doing it yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, Johnny is, is a great example, you know, and he he had the pots job and then, you know, that that was gone and you know, it was quiet and then to watch maybe Size and John go win a gold cup mm-hmm. like that that must have crushed him and you know, it's a real measure of uh, the great guy that he is that he's back and bouncing in winners there. I was watching uh, racing was in Worcester earlier today. Uh, he was riding a couple for Charlie Longs, and uh, I don't know that he did he have any winners, but he's busy every day, and you know he he's good enough, and he's ridden Grade One winners before. That when the opportunity comes up, he will be able to take it with both hands. Yeah, hundred percent, he will. Uh, really enjoy the conversation with you, Danny. We are way over time with you. That is Kevin Blake's fault. So um, <laughs> if there is a certain person waiting in the background ready to kill you, uh, you can blame Kevin Blake. Yeah, I'll I, I point, I point him out yeah. <laughs> to Kevin Blake. The, the bullet, uh, I'd say the trigger is nearly pulled on the gun at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> Serena, you're killing uh, Kevin, not me. I, I there, there's a reservation she, she, in, in Zoonies in Kilkenny tonight is probably gone at this stage. Uh, oh, no, <laughs> she, no. She, she'd never fall out with her neighbour. Kevin, what have you done? You've cost them dinner. Oh, that's... Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll put it on the final Furlong Podcast expense account, and by that we mean Kevin Blake's platinum card. Uh, Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. The very best of luck for the rest of the season, and hopefully we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks very much. Chat to you soon. Uh, Man, Danny, thanks. Enjoy Bye. trying to make dinner, mate. Enjoy that one, and uh, hopefully Serena doesn't kill you. Kevin, I will chat to you tomorrow as we look ahead to the weekend's racing. Uh, ready to rumble as we switch back to the flat although there is jump action at Cheltenham Ooh. don't forget that jump action at Cheltenham <laughs> uh, we will talk to you then thanks very much for listening talk to you soon God bless the final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer begambleaware.org 18 plus have you downloaded the free at the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form Expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.